Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer once more and ask for um, him to help us as we turn to his word. I'm going to pray a prayer for uh, the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pray words that were written by a man named George Herbert as we pray. Lord, make your word a swift word, passing from the ear to the heart, from the heart to the lip in conversation, that as the rain returns not empty, so neither may your word, but accomplish that for which it is given. Amen. Well, again, today is the second Sunday of Advent, and Advent is a season of anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. During the Advent season, we remember how the people of God were anticipating the first Advent of the Messiah, the first arrival of Christ, and we celebrate that the Messiah did in fact arrive. We celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But in this Advent season, we also anticipate the second arrival of the Messiah. Jesus is going to come again. Jesus is going to come soon. And so the Advent season is a time that we set aside to give a special attention, to to help us focus our attention on that certain future event, the arrival of Jesus Christ. The Advent season is, is, is a time meant to fuel our longing for Jesus to come, to fuel our longing for the arrival, the advent of Christ. And this Advent season, we are fueling our longing for Jesus' arrival by finishing up our series in the book of Revelation. So with that, let's read the very last section of Revelation, Revelation 22, verses 6 through 21. And since these words are breathed out by God and come with the very authority of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, if you are able, would you please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. The Apostle John, carried along by the Holy Spirit, writes, And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold. I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. You can be seated. The entire book of Revelation is held together by one promise. It's a promise that's repeated throughout this chapter. It's a promise that lies at the heart, not only of Revelation, but of the whole Bible. It's a promise that demands a response. And it's a promise that comes from the lips of Jesus himself. And the promise is this. I am coming soon. So here's the main point that I want us to see in our text today. If Jesus is coming soon, take his word seriously. If Jesus is coming soon, take his word seriously. The king who is coming has spoken. He has given warnings. He's given invitations. He's given commands. And he's given promises. He has spoken his words to us. And when he comes, he will judge all people according to what he has spoken, according to his words. And then for all of eternity... This king who is coming will reign according to his word. So then, if Jesus is coming soon, take his word seriously. I want us to see four ways to take Jesus' words seriously 
from this text. First of all, live in light of Jesus' words. Live in light of Jesus' words. So as we come to the end of Revelation, at this point, John has received these visions. He's received everything that we have in this book of Revelation. And after everything that he's heard, after everything that he's seen, here is what John is told about these words in verse 6. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. So, so notice what's true about these words. The words of Revelation are reliable. What Revelation promises will come to pass. Trustworthy, true. The words of Revelation are authoritative. It's the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, the God who spoke through Moses and David and Daniel and Ezekiel. This is the God who sent his angel to speak through John. And the words of Revelation are relevant. These things that God revealed in Revelation were already starting to unfold in John's day. They were soon for him. And and so what that means is that Revelation speaks to our day as well. These words are not only reliable and authoritative, they are relevant. This is what is true about the words of this book. And so if Revelation is reliable and authoritative and relevant, then we must not just hear these words. Look at verse 7. In this verse, Jesus is speaking, and he says, And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. The word blessed means happy or flourishing. It's a promise of the good life. And Jesus' promise of the good life is not for those who merely hear these reliable, authoritative, relevant words. Uh, the promise of flourishing is for those who keep the words of the prophecy of this book. These words are so important that we, we should cling to them, live according to them, obey them, respond and do what this book calls us to do. Now, after, again, hearing all of this, getting all this revelation, John was so moved by what he heard and he saw, he actually tried to bow down and worship the angel who showed him these things. But the angel says in verse 9, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. The angels and the prophets and preachers and pulpits have nothing to say on our own. The ministry of a messenger, whether that messenger is a prophet, whether that messenger is a preacher, whether that messenger is an angel from heaven, the ministry of a messenger is not awesome because the messenger is awesome. It is because the message they deliver comes from an awesome God. So worship God. The angel says. The angel then goes on to say this about his message. 
in verse 10. He says, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. So again, John is told the time is near. These things are starting to take place. So the angel says, don't hide these words, that the time is now for the servants of God to hear the words of the prophecy of this book so they can keep them. They need to know the stuff now because this is relevant now for the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so after all this about the message, after all this about what John has seen, after, after John has expressed the, the weight and the significance of what he's seen, and he, he's been told about the trustworthiness and truth of, of what he's seen, then we come to the, the striking words of verse 11. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. So now this is a, a challenging verse to interpret. And uh, the, the first thing we ought to say is that there, there's a lot of things this verse does not mean. So for instance, you, you see the phrase, let the evildoer still do evil. The, the first thing we need to recognize is, is this is not a statement of the whole of God's will for evildoers. This is not everything God wants evildoers to know. Let the evildoer still do evil. Uh, we know that because even in this chapter, in just a few verses, we're going to hear this invitation to the thirsty to come and drink the water of life. So uh, we know that this is not the, the whole of what uh, God's intention for evildoers is. Um, and, and we also have other places in Scripture that describe how... Uh, um, God desires that none should perish, but that all should come uh, to a knowledge of the truth. So there's some things we can say that this verse does not mean, but, but what does it mean? It's, it's still here. It still says what it says. So what does it mean? Uh, what helps us in understanding uh, this verse is, is re- recognizing that these words are actually based off of a couple of different Old Testament passages. So turn with me, uh, so keep a, you know, a finger or a, or a bookmark in Revelation 22 and turn to Daniel 12. Daniel 12. So Daniel 12 is the, the last chapter of Daniel. Uh, the words uh, that we're going to look at come toward the end of his prophecy, just like Revelation 22 is at the end of John's prophecy. Look with me at uh, Daniel 12, verses 9 and 10. I think you'll even see some similarities to the end of John's prophecy uh, in these verses. He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. So for Daniel, these things weren't soon, so he says, seal up the words. For John, they are soon, so don't seal them up. Open it up. Okay, but verse 10 is what I want you to see. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. So Daniel was told to expect that there would be some who are pure and understand God's word, and there would be others who would be wicked who would not understand. So keep that in mind, and then turn with me one more place to Ezekiel 3.27. If you're in Daniel, hang a left. Ezekiel 3. Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 27. And these are words that God gave to Ezekiel about 
how people would respond to his prophecy. So even though they come at the beginning of uh, Ezekiel, they're about how people will respond to the whole of uh, Ezekiel's uh, prophetic ministry, the words that God would give him. Ezekiel 3, 27, but when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, he who will hear, let him hear. And he who will refuse to hear, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. God told Ezekiel to speak his words and then let whatever happens, happen. Those who will hear, let them hear. Those who will refuse to hear, let them refuse. Okay, so now turn back to Revelation 22. Revelation 22.11 is the fulfillment of these prophecies uh, of Daniel and Ezekiel. And the, the idea is this. The word of God has a way of sorting The word of God demands a response. The word of God does not allow anyone to sit on the fence. The words of the prophecy of this book have been revealed. Think of what we've seen in this prophecy, this book of prophecy of Revelation. We've seen that God's judgment is coming. We've seen that he will punish the wicked. We've seen that he will reward the righteous. And so now comes the response. You can't hear judgment is coming and that God will punish the wicked and that God will reward the righteous and be on the fence. You're going to be on one side or the other. So what this idea is in Revelation 22, 11 is that the words have been revealed. Now comes the response. Now let everyone do what they're going to do with these words. If an evildoer wants to continue doing evil, let him continue knowing it will be to his peril. But if a saint wants to continue in holiness, let him continue knowing the reward that awaits him on the other side of endurance. Both the wicked and the righteous, both the unsaved and the saved, have to live in light of the words of Jesus like those that he speaks next in verses 12 through 13. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me. To repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is the first and the last. He's the one who holds it all together. And he promises, he is speaking, his words to us are that he is coming soon to repay everyone. He will repay the evildoer. He will repay the righteous for what they have done. So again, we come back to this central idea that if Jesus is coming soon, take his word seriously. And that that starts with living in light of Jesus' words. Live in light of the fact that these words are reliable and authoritative and relevant. Live in light of the fact that those who keep his words, and only those who keep his words, are those who will experience flourishing. Live in light of the fact that he promises he is coming soon and he will repay everyone for what they have done. So in light of Jesus' words, how then will you live? There there is no sitting on the fence. 
The words of Jesus have been revealed. How then will you live? I believe these verses will have one of at least four effects. First, if you are living for yourself, living for this world, these verses may harden you and lead to God's judgment. Did you know that if you want a life without God, the worst thing that could happen to you is for God to give you what you want? What we see in this passage and what we see in other places in Scripture is that one way God judges evil is by letting evildoers do evil. In Romans 1, Paul talks about people who know the truth about God, but they refuse to honor him as God. And he says these terrifying words in Romans 1, 25. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts. You, you may hear Jesus' words, this 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 declaration, I am coming soon. You may hear that Jesus is coming back to judge. He's going to repay everybody for what they have done. And your response to that might just be, whatever. And you go back to life just without Jesus, living on your own. And God may let you. But just know, as Paul says in Romans 1, that you're without excuse. But second, if you are living for yourself, if you're in that category, these verses may wake you up and make you realize that you need to repent. You might hear, let the evildoers still do evil, and think, but I, but I don't want to. You might have heard what I just said about God letting you live a life without him, giving you up to what you want to do and, and, and live this life apart from Christ. You might hear that, and it, it woke you up like a splash of cold water to the face. And if that's you, you just need to know you can turn. You can come to Jesus. You can leave behind a life without God. Leave, a, leave behind a life of evil doing. Le- leave behind that life of living for yourself. You, you can know God. The good news of Christmas that we're celebrating is that when we couldn't get to God on our own, God came down to us in the person of Jesus Christ, and he made a way for evildoers and the filthy to come back to God. Jesus came to die in our place. Jesus died to take the punishment that we deserved for our evildoing, and we receive his gift of salvation through faith. So know that you can trust in Jesus to save you from your sins, to save you from your evil doing. You can know God. So repent, turn to Jesus. Come to him in faith and receive his salvation. 
And if, if that is you, and, and if you have any questions about what I've just said, if you have any questions about what it means to know God, please don't leave today without talking to someone. There, there's a room full of people here who know God, who have trusted in the gospel, uh, and, and who are trusting in Jesus for eternal life. Don't leave today without talking to someone about how you can know God. A, a third effect that I think these words can have, if you are following Jesus, these verses can help you understand the world around us. So we need to recognize and be comforted by the fact that the Bible anticipates that evildoers are going to keep doing evil. So when you see this happen, it shouldn't surprise you. It's not a sign that everything is going wrong. It's a sign that everything is going according to exactly the way God told us it would go. Because, you know, when we look at the world around us, and particularly as believers, looking at the world around us, when we see those differences and we see just the number of people who agree with one another, but oppose us, it's tempting to think, well, am I the one who's wrong here? Am I missing something? Am I on the wrong side of history? I mean, if Christianity is true, why doesn't everybody embrace it? But this passage reminds us that we should expect that the evil will continue to be evil until Jesus returns. So don't be surprised when we see this happening. Uh, but then fourth, if you are following Jesus, these verses are meant to encourage you to persevere, to keep going. The words we've seen in Revelation really are reliable and authoritative and relevant. Jesus really is coming back. He really is going to reward those who have faith in him. He really is going to bring us home to paradise. And so hear these words and keep them. Cling to them with your life. Keep living for Christ. Keep following the Lamb. Keep living righteous, righteously. Keep pursuing holiness. Don't grow weary in doing good. Keep going. If Jesus is coming soon, take his word seriously. And that means, first of all, that we must live in light of Jesus' words. Uh, the second way to take Jesus' words seriously, extend the invitation of Jesus' words. Extend the invitation of Jesus' words. So the, the seventh and final blessed statement of Revelation is in verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. The good news of the gospel is that the filthy, as verse 11 describes, the filthy can have their robes washed. Anyone who comes to Jesus and washes their robes in the blood of the Lamb will have an eternity in paradise with him forever. Anyone who hears these words and responds by trusting in the death of Jesus to save them from their sins will spend eternity inside the gates of the new Jerusalem. But this passage also reminds us that there will be many who are not inside. Look at verse 15. Outside 
are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. The, the terms in this list describe unrepentant sinners, those who live for themselves, live for the world, those who give in to the practices of the evil world around them. And we just need to recognize that in the new Jerusalem, sin will be eradicated. In the new Jerusalem, worldliness will be weeded out. And so those who live for sin and live for worldliness will not be inside. They'll be outside of paradise. They will experience eternal condemnation under the wrath of God. So we hear the blessing for those who wash their robes in the blood of Jesus, who are cleansed from their sins. We hear the warning about those who choose not to be cleansed but to stay in their sin. And we need to take these words seriously because they come with the very authority of King Jesus. Look at verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. So the, the one who affirms the truth of these words, the reason why you should take this seriously is because Jesus is the one who speaks to them. Jesus is the root of David. Jesus is the God from whom David came. But he's also the descendant of David. We read at the beginning of our service the promise to David that he would have a physical offspring. And Jesus is the promised offspring who would reign forever. But he is also the bright morning star. Uh, he's that star that we read about in Numbers earlier in the service. He's the star of Jacob who is promised to have a scepter who would reign forever. The one speaking is the king of kings. The one with all authority in heaven and on earth, he says in Matthew 28, 18. So the king of kings then is the one speaking and testifying to these truths. And we need to see that the king of kings has an invitation that he wants to extend. Look at verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Jesus wants the world to know the filthy can be cleansed. He wants the world to know that if they continue in their rebellion, they're going to spend eternity outside of his presence. He, he wants to, to call the world to come to him and to receive the eternal abundant life that's found in him. He wants the world to hear this invitation so that the one who thirsts the one who knows they need Jesus, the one who knows they need a Savior, I come to him for living water and never thirst again. And so then, what we see is that the Holy Spirit is at work in this age to invite people to come to Jesus. And he is at work through the bride, the church, to call people to come to Jesus. Uh, John even says here, if, if you are hearing the words of Revelation, the one who hears, if you hear these words of Revelation, you are exhorted to join in the inviting, to, to, invi uh, to join in the invitation, to extending this invitation to the world to come to Jesus. As followers of Jesus, he has given us the mission to make 
disciples. And that begins by going to the world and calling them, saying, come to Jesus. Every day we are surrounded by people who are spiritually thirsty, who are longing for the water of life. And we are those who know where to find water. We are those who have, who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Tomorrow night, when we are at Holly Jolly and we're passing out invite cards and passing out popcorn and we're coloring sheets and we're sitting in a stable and we're, we're hanging out there, we are going to be surrounded by people who are spiritually thirsty, who are spiritually parched and desperate for eternal life. And they are walking by us who are people who know where to find living water. And so tomorrow night, what we are going to the square downtown to do is to say to the world, come! The spirit and the bride say, come! Let everyone who thirsts come and drink from the water of life that's come to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. If Jesus is coming soon, Take his word seriously. He says that when he comes, there will be those who are inside and those who are outside. And from that moment on, no one from the outside will come in. So now is the time. Now is the time to tell the thirsty, come drink the water of life without payment. Extend the invitation of Jesus' words. Third way to take Jesus' word seriously, keep all of Jesus' words. Keep all of Jesus' words. John gives a warning in verses 18 and 19. He says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Because the words in this book are so sacred, adding to them or subtracting from them comes with grave consequences. The one who adds to this book, God says he'll add to him plagues like the bold judgments we saw in Revelation 15 and 16. The one who takes away from this book, God will take away his share in the new Jerusalem. This is serious. The stakes are high. This is how seriously we should take these words. You know, as, as we've walked through this passage today, uh, I've really focused us on what these verses have to say specifically about the book of Revelation. But as we think about, uh, or as we think about this, certainly, as he's saying these phrases like the words of the book of this prophecy, John certainly had in mind, first and foremost, the book of Revelation, this book that we have been studying. But we need to recognize that, that this is not just the last chapter of Revelation. This is also the very last passage of the entire Bible. In God's providence, Revelation was the last book of the Bible to be written. He sovereignly placed it at the end of the New Testament. 
These final words of Revelation are the final words of the holy book that began in Genesis and continued on through the law and the prophets and the Psalms and the Gospels and the epistles. And so we need to understand that these words apply to the whole Bible, not just Revelation. Beware of adding to or subtracting from Scripture. To consider some examples of adding to Scripture, uh, there are religions that claim that they have books that are additional revelation from God, like the Quran or the Book of Mormon. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church holds their traditions and historic teachings with the same authority as Scripture. Uh, but even in our circles, adding to Scripture happens, and adding to Scripture can be something like legalism, taking man-made rules and treating them as if they are standards that come from God. Adding to Scripture might be saying, well, you need more than the Bible if you're going to be a complete person. You also need these tenets of psychology or some other philosophy of the world to really be a full person. But consider also some examples of subtracting from Scripture. There are uh, theological liberals who suggest that parts of the Bible have error or inaccuracies and should not be taken seriously. Uh, there's those who subtract by emphasizing some parts of the Bible over others. Maybe they don't want to totally cut them out of the Bible, but they kind of deserve to be at least taken with less seriousness. Uh, some emphasize the, the words of Jesus only, uh, the only the places where he's directly quoted in Scripture, you know, the, the red letters as if the black letters are kind of less important. Some emphasize the importance of the Old Testament law and kind of neglect the New Testament interpretation of the law. Some emphasize the passages about love and mercy and ignore the moral imperatives of Scripture. And so they kind of live however they want to live and just kind of presume on the grace of God. Subtracting from Scripture might look like ignoring the parts of the Bible that tell us how to do church and then filling that void with principles from the business world about leadership and organization and marketing. But we need to remember this. It is a sin to treat man's words as if they have the authority of God. And it is a sin to treat God's words as if they are merely the ideas of men. God is too glorious. The gospel is too beautiful. And eternity is too long not to treasure the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible as our ultimate authority. If Jesus is coming soon, take his word seriously. And that means keeping all of Jesus' words without adding or subtracting. Final way to take Jesus' word seriously, cherish the hope of Jesus' words. Cherish the hope of Jesus' words. Revelation 22 and verse 20 is the last time that Jesus is directly quoted in Scripture. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. 
Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. In Revelation 1.5, John called Jesus the faithful witness. And in this book, we have the faithful witness's testimony. He is the one who testifies that the words of this book are true. And here is his word to us. Surely I am coming soon. This is his promise. So take his word seriously. He really is going to return. Advent means something. It's not just an empty ritual or tradition. We are anticipating the literal, bodily, personal, visible return of the God-man Jesus Christ. He will judge the living and the dead, and he will establish the fullness of his kingdom in a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus says he is coming back. So take his words seriously. The response of our mouths, the response of our lives to this promise ought to be, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We don't say, not yet, Jesus. I'm not ready. We don't live as if this world is forever. We don't live for that which is temporary. We say, come, come, Lord Jesus. We, we want him to come. We want his presence. We want his life. We want him to bring justice. We want him to bring peace on earth. We want to live in a world where Jesus reigns as king. So we say, come, Lord Jesus. And we come to the very last words of Revelation. The very last words of the Bible. If you had to pick the very last words of the Bible, what would you pick? How do you wrap up Genesis, Judges, Proverbs, Isaiah, Luke, Romans, James, and Revelation? Well, here is how the Holy Spirit does it in Revelation 22, 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. We must not miss how profound those words are. This is not just empty well-wishing. This is not just like we would end a letter with all the best. The Lord Jesus Christ, the root of David, the descendant of David, the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the God who spoke the world into existence, this Jesus has actual grace 
for you. Grace is kindness that you don't deserve. So get this. As we come to this last sentence of Scripture, we are talking, when we talk about the Lord Jesus, we're talking about the one whom the entire Bible is about. The Old Testament anticipates Jesus. The whole New Testament bears witness to Jesus. And this book that is all about the Lord Jesus ends with a promise of undeserved kindness for all. This book ends with a gift from the Lord who the Bible is about to you. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, what Jesus wants ringing in your ears when you close the last page is grace. He wants to give you grace when he comes, and he wants to give you grace today. So cherish the hope of Jesus' words. We have heard the last words of the coming Lord. And if Jesus is coming soon, we should take his word seriously. We should live in light of Jesus' words. We should extend the invitation of Jesus' words. We should keep all of Jesus' words and we should cherish the hope of Jesus' words. As we say with our mouths and with our lives, to this coming Lord, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. One of the ways that we say, come, Lord Jesus, is by observing the Lord's Supper. When we observe the Lord's Supper, we do a number of things. We remember, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, we remember the blood of Jesus in which the filthy can wash their robes and be washed white so that they may have a right to the tree of life. We participate in the body and blood, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10. We renew our faith in Jesus alone to save us from our sins. We fellowship, we commune. There's a reason why we call this communion. We commune with Jesus. Though he has not yet returned bodily, he does promise in the Great Commission, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is present with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But not only do we commune with Jesus in his presence, we also commune with one another as we gather for the Lord's Supper. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 that we who are many are one body for we all partake of the one bread. We also proclaim when we come to the table. Paul said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When the world sees us take the Lord's Supper, our prayer is that they hear, let the one who is thirsty come. 
Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. But then finally, as we gather around the Lord's table, we anticipate the day that we get to feast with Jesus in person when he does surely come. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 29, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This sacred time at the Lord's table is for believers who have rested all their hope on the death and resurrection of Christ. If you're not yet a believer, we would ask that you refrain from partaking until you come to faith in Christ. Uh, And that instead at this time, you would consider Jesus' invitation to you to come to him in faith and drink the water of life. We encourage those of you who are believers to examine your hearts so you can partake in a worthy manner. If your heart is harboring unrepentant sin, please refrain until you can come freely to partake. But if you are a member of the body of Christ, Jesus invites you to come to his table. This is a meal that's not just for our local body, but for the global body of Christ. So if you were a baptized member of a gospel-preaching church in good standing, we welcome you to partake with us. In a moment, I'll pray, and then we'll sing a song. And during that time, as you're ready, you can come and receive the elements. We'd ask that you take them back to your seat and hold on to them so that then we can all partake together after everyone's been served. Let's pray together. Father, as we bow our heads now, we remember how Jesus bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We bow in reverence and in awe. We bow in adoration for who Christ is. We bow in adoration of the words he has said. And we bow in adoration of the death he died and the life he now lives. Lord, we ask that as we come to the table, that we would delight to worship you. Lord, we ask, fill us with your Holy Spirit in a fresh way, that our worship in this moment would bring true honor to you, Father, Son, and Spirit, and genuine comfort to our souls. Lord, as we come to this table, would we remember that we all were evildoers. We all were filthy. And we come to the table to remember that by your blood, we have washed our robes white. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.